You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. In CR's Northern Command, May 8th already. My gosh, it's Monday afternoon. We're all hungover from our Stinko de Mayo celebrations last week. Um, Gosh, where do we get, begin? I don't know what to tell you guys. Look, I could, I could sit here and be the Jeremiah and continue to complain, uh, which we will do because, like I said, you got to know the truth. You got to know what's going on. But last week, was tantamount to coming home and say, hey, honey, how are the kids? And you walk up the stairs and you come and you see your your spouse uh, committing adultery in your bed. Y- your eyes can't unsee that vision. Right? Y- you can't unsee that. You don't just go on, oh, no, yeah, everything's fine. What's next? What's what's next on the agenda? And, and that's what last week was. I'll I'll post in the show notes some of our articles um, in case you haven't been caught up on them, just summarizing what went on and you know where things head. But obviously, to many of us, we've seen these images multiple times for years, decades. There's nothing new. This party doesn't stand for anything, and it stands for the opposite side. Uh, but what is new is the fact that you have all three branches of government and the fact that you have Mr. Trump, who is the best negotiator ever and is going to fight for us and you name it. And you wind up with a budget bill that codifies everything the Democrats wanted beyond their belief. And then you have Obamacare not only not being replaced, but being repealed, but be, being uh, so-called half replaced in the worst imaginable way that actually crushes our issue. That's where we are now. I promise you guys that I was going to take an all of the above approach to not just speak the truth about the negativity of what's going on, but actually try to do everything just as one man in my power to to chart a path forward. And I laid out in my uh, morning piece today four things. And, you know, I know many of you are like, no, don't do this, do that, do that. Look, you're not going to solve this problem with with a silver bullet. It just you know, you, you can't be complacent for 100 years, then lose the culture, and then you know, you're, you're just not going to have one silver bullet. But we mentioned reforming the primaries, getting involved in primaries that, that, that are, uh, are viable. Obviously, we had Judge Roy Moore um, on our show on Thursday, and since we had him on, a private poll came out that had him up 10 points. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. That would be a shock to the system if we can get him in. And we, t- we, like I said, we talked about reforming the primary process to conventions to get more of our guys in. Talk about Article 5 conventions. We're going to be doing more of that this week, uh, you know, with Texas becoming the 11th state to, to ratify. But we are not going to get anywhere until we have a new party. <laughs> that has become abundantly clear. You can only go so long and have your team, so to speak, continue to toss interceptions continue to have their offensive linemen tackle your own people when you're trying to make a play or when they're on defense, just sit there and not make the tackle, but then insist that they get, that they play that position. And that's kind of my analogy there in the primaries where they'll run on our issues, get in, in there, contaminate our issues, um, score points on the other side, and then proceed to use the money they get 
from the special interest to run on our issues again and box out any competition. We need a new party. I think everyone in this audience fully is at the point where you recognize that. The question is, how do you get there? How do you get to that point? And that's why, before I continue and run away with, with this, um, spoke way too long here, wanted to introduce you to a special friend of mine. Some of you already know, a lot of you maybe don't know. J.D. Rucker is a co-founder of the Federalist Party, uh, a new group of individuals, patriots, our type of people. That much I do know. I want to ask J.D. a lot, a lot of other logistical things, messaging things, but certainly I do know that these are our people. They are very good people, values people, constitutionalists, um, you know, that, that were part of the mainstream conservative movement and, and finally recognized that what we're doing is not working and that we need a new party. And as part of my all of the above approach, we're going to explore it all. And they're not mutually exclusive. So with no further ado, hey, J.D., are you on the line there? I am. I am. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Welcome aboard to the Conservative Conscience here, and I know a lot of our audience is really very excited about what you guys are doing. Some are not. Just as a baseline, you know, first question, and I, I, gosh, how do you even open this can of worms? But we'll, uh, with the little time we have, we'll try to go through as much as we have, as much as we can, and then have you on later. The first question I always get asked is, all right, Daniel, we have the Constitution Party, we have the Libertarian Party, you have these parties that start all the time. Why should I invest any time or money in the Federalist Party? Where is it coming from? Where is it headed? Why is this different? Why do you think that this will be the party that will finally give us not a third party, but a second party? Absolutely. We want to be that, that other second party. And people do ask me that all the time. What, why would we start with something new? Why not just go with, with what's already been tried? Uh, and in the question lies the answer. It has already been tried. We're not talking about parties that are, you know, two, three, four years old that have been, you know, trying to, to build themselves up. We're talking about parties that are over a quarter century old and have yet to make an impact. When we were first looking at this, our, our first goal was to actually look at these third parties and see who we could help, who we could lift up, who we could contribute our own time, money, effort, strategy to. And what we found was that they were lacking across the board. We're not just talking about, oh, there's not enough people or there's, there's poor messaging or poor platform. A lot of the platforms are great. Don't get me wrong. I, I read the Constitution Party's platform and I, I embrace a, a vast majority of it. But here's the problem. They have no strategy or their strategy has failed. They failed to adopt the uh, uh, modern technology. They failed to, to branch out with their messaging to be more, more universally acceptable to conservative-minded, small government-minded people. They've pigeonholed themselves in many ways, and that's something that these lessons that we've learned in, in analyzing what they've done is what makes us more viable. It gives us the ability to actually branch out and say, look, we've seen the mistakes that others have made. We've seen what they've tried that's worked and what they've tried that hasn't worked. And so we're going to take what we've learned and apply it. We've also looked at the Tea Party as, a, as an organization that, that started off great, had some you know, great momentum. Uh, it's still today still has some impact, but they even got lost. They got lost for other reasons, not the same reasons that, that the Libertarian Party or the Constitution Party got lost. They were lost because of you know, being too split apart, being too, too decentralized, even as an organization. And they started having all of these other problems when it came to money and fundraising and corruption and, and all this, these other things. So they had some success. They gave us 2010. Let's face it. We, we owe 
2010 to them. We owe 2014 to them. They gave the Republican Party the House and the Senate. But at the end of the day, they were pushed further and further away from conservatism. They were pushed more towards a populist message. And so when people ask me what makes us different, it's that at this point, we're growing exponentially and we are as close to being uncorruptible as possible. And I can expand on that. That's a whole, sure. <laughs> that's a whole long conversation right there. No, and what I what I hear from you, you know, you talk about trying something that hasn't, you know, something new. And and what what always drove me nuts is that we are worse than Charlie Brown the football. We just, we keep coming back more every time, and it's like you know so many acts of what I call acts of political adultery, and, and we just keep keep coming back. I uh, I wrote my morning piece today, and I won't uh won't test you on it. I'm assuming you haven't read it yet, um, but basically, the Kansas Nebraska Act in 1854 was the impetus for starting a new party. That's when everyone realized, look, the Whigs don't stand for anything. They have failed to confront the consummate issue of our time. We need to move on. That is how the GOP itself was created. It was born out of that recognition that we need now. And I had an interesting thought that basically the entire shelf life of the Whig party, the entire duration of it sitting there doing nothing was 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 less than just the life of the GOP since it stood for nothing, meaning post Ronald Reagan, I count that from eighteen from nineteen eighty nine, twenty twenty eight years or so. Twenty eight years is longer than an entire shelf life of the Whig Party. Yet we're still going at it. We're still going out. We're still spinning our wheels. Um, and like I said, I think our audience recognizes that much. But what everyone says is, "Look, Daniel, I'd lo- I'd, I'd I'd vote for it any day." The eight hundred pound gorilla in the room is ballot access. You know the the two parties. Um, you know, it's funny. We we have written into statute uh, anti-market, you know, antitrust laws. Uh, we're 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 uh, since we're little kids, we're we're kind of given this image of a uh, insidious character with a top hat um, who controls a monopoly, and it's such a terrible thing. But the biggest monopoly we have is in politics. Coke and Pepsi. You got the Republican and the Democrat parties. They created a monopoly for themselves by boxing out others to create um, to get on the ballot. That's the question. If you know, you're starting from even be you know farther back than than where the Constitutional Libertarian Party started from, or you start started from 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 new this past year. Well, how do you break the ballot access juggernaut? That is the question everyone asks me. Absolutely, and it's it is the you know you say it's the 800 pound gorilla. We look at it as the 8,000 pound gorilla. It is huge. That is going to be our our greatest. Uh, greatest stumbling block. If we can't get over that, then we don't have a party. So addressing it, we've looked at, at, at all kinds of different strategies. How do we do it? Do we go start there? Do we just you know, get the signature drives out there? Do we start by, by going to uh, various conventions or even holding our own conventions and having people come to us going to, I won't bore you with the, with the uh, individual strategies, but we came to one conclusion that we need to do this with, uh, I hate to keep using the word modern, but take a modern approach to how a party itself is built. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the scrum technique, but it's, it's essentially, it's been spreading around for, for a couple of decades now, three decades. It's a concept that, that basically it's used in, in software development. It's used uh, in, in building companies. And the idea is this, that you, rather than looking at the 8,000 pound gorilla, and saying that's too big or go, go straight at it and start chopping away at its toes, hoping that you can get it to fall, you take a systematic approach. So you break everything up down into stages and you have what's called sprints and you, 
you go after everything that you need to go after from a very uh, methodical style. So step one, we have to get groundswell. We have to get branding. We have to get the exposure that we even exist. And that's, that's where we're at right now. Right now, we're just trying to get the word out. It says, hey, you know, look, we're, we're not just uh, a couple of kids in our, in our basement, you know, tweeting out there that, that we actually have, have growth and viability potential. And that uh, by putting out the right messaging, by making sure that our messaging is solid and that it is true to our form, that this messaging can resonate. And we do believe that, thankfully, we don't have to, to sell people on a, a crazy ideas where we're selling them on three basic concepts. A smaller government, I think that, that even though that has been the rallying cry for Republicans, it hasn't been their actions over, as you say, the last 28 years. They've, they've pushed against smaller government, pushed for, for bigger government. You know, we uh, focus on defending freedoms, and people say, well, you know, there's a lot of parties that are out there defending freedoms. I would say no. You know, you can't defend freedoms without a voice. And if you don't have that voice built up, what freedoms are you defending? You know, the, freedom, the, the various parties out there, they, they claim it, but what are they doing to actually uh, do something about it? We're trying to engage with various groups, whether it's, whether it's gun rights groups or First Amendment groups, Tenth Amendment groups. We're trying to engage with them and you know, really align with what they're trying to protect. And that's the easiest way to do it. They've been doing it for years. We align with them. We, we help them. They help us. It, it's a great strategy. And then the third one is protecting life. So that's the contentious one. Some people view life as you know, not starting until you're, you're a couple days old. Some people view life as starting the moment that you're conceived. Some people say that you should be able to kill yourself at any point. Others say that life is too, too precious. We are going to get contention on that issue, but that's an issue that we believe we have the, not just the moral high ground, but we have the majority. You know, um, that's something that that will separate us from a lot of the other parties. But sure. once we have that, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, JD. I just want to hone in on that that point there because a lot of people um, ask me this. Well, Daniel, on the one hand, we need a conservative party because we don't have one. We have two socialist parties. We have two parties that don't stand for our traditional values. They don't stand for national defense in a meaningful way. The only national defense we stand for is getting our guys involved in Islamic civil wars. Um, even though Republicans, everyone tell you, oh, they're part of the defense. Even establishment guys are for it. No, they're not. Um, but the point is that we don't really have a conservative party on the one hand. But then on the other hand, we have half the country. It's very polarized you know, due to demographic issues, education. We're losing a lot of people, even if we did have a conservative party. So I think you're addressing, you know, certain points where, yeah, you have certain people we want to get, but they already kind of the well is poisoned on some of those issues. But you call yourself the Federalist Party. Um, yes. It, it, is some of the appeal the fact that look, we're a divided country, but that's the point. We're divided in fifty states. That's why we need to make federalism great again. That's why we need to make localism great again. And you should support us because you know what. Yeah, there's going to be certain differences that certainly with the far left, we're never going to get them. But there's a lot of people in the middle. Maybe they buy into some of the median errors. Maybe they buy into some of the stuff Democrats saying. They're certainly not happy with them. And they feel, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, I'll support someone who's honest and consistent about localism. And, you know, we'll, we'll differ in California versus Alabama. Is, is that some of the strategy behind the messaging and, and, the, and the platform? Sounds like you you have been reading this. That's that's awesome. Yes, that is very much so. And, and by the way, where uh, could people read more? I'm sorry. Where could people read more? 
Oh, they can definitely read more at thefederalsparty.org, thefederalsparty.org, or they can just text five three four uh, text Federalist to five three four four five and receive updates. We've got Twitter, we've got Facebook, but those are the two primary ways to learn more about the Federalist Party. Thank you for asking. No, perfect. I'm sorry, I didn't mean so, to. Oh no, no, no. It's it's important. It's funny when you you call this morning. We we have uh, we have a certain message that we know that we need to get out there and part of it the one that i always end up missing is the part about who where people can actually find it so yes thank you for getting that out of the way right up front before i forget about it <laughs> so so yeah so localization is the that's the the beacon that's the thing that i don't care who you are I, i've spoken to hardcore environmentalists who are you know perhaps fiscally conservative or or have other other moderate leanings but that they are just hardcore environmentalists they can be shown how federalism, how localization is so much more beneficial to their goals than by taking this whole, you know, centralized and, and globalist and Paris Climate Accords, you know, all this stuff. None of that really matters. None of that's going to help them get their area cleaned up, whereas federalism can help them. You look at other issues, and, and when we start showing people the benefits of making certain that we're out there to get city councils, to get school boards, to get state legislators. Okay, you mentioned the ballot access ballot access earlier. There are states where we can run for state legislator with 100 to 200 signatures. That's something that we can get, two people can get in, in less than a day, in a couple of hours with enough, enough uh, push. So being able to move up and get ballot access at the local level, that's something that so many parties avoid. They look at, oh, you know, let's put all of our resources, let's put everything towards getting our presidential candidate who's going to go out there and get, get 0.3% of the vote, that's not a good strategy. That's a waste. Okay, we're not going to run in any, in any elections that we cannot win. Okay, if there's, if there's zero chance, if there's 5% chance, 3% chance, we're not going to give it a shot. If we have you know, 20, 30, 40, 50% chance, we look at a, at a particular area or a situation, we say, we can win this, then we are going to put our resources towards that. And that's why, again, getting mayors, governors, uh, congressmen, senators, everything across the board, people will, will understand that when they start seeing how federalism can apply to them to, to directly influence their lives and to protect them from overreach by whether it's from the national government, the state government, or both, when they start realizing that we, we are the party that is going to defend their rights, that's going to, to defend the Constitution the way that it's supposed to be defended and allow it to truly uh, empower us in our lives and to protect our freedoms, that's when it's, it's so easy to make people understand why they are tr probably Federalists at heart. They just never knew it. <laughs> you know, Reagan was a Federalist at heart. I, I, I hate to invoke him so much on your show, but I know that you do as well. You know, let's face it. He pushed for new federalism. That was something he believed that the federal government was way too powerful, and we needed to return to a balance of power between the states and the federal government that enabled individuals and communities to have a, a multiple ways to um, oppose oppression. And that's one of our biggest goals right there. No, no definitely. And, and you're seeing that now. I mean, obviously, with the country torn apart, um, although I'd argue we're torn apart often over a bunch of nothing. And, you know, when both parties uh, agree on, on the same thing. But but yeah, I mean, we do have a lot of different values. And and obviously, I would suspect I know I know you personally, and I would suspect many people around you organizing the Federalist Party are really very much in line with Reagan conservatism, albeit sure. the goal here is once you're starting a new party that could be a home for conservatism, you may as well try to break this paralysis, the 
logjam we have of of the you know two party choice. And when you actually have something that's new, refreshing, consistent, and that's the important thing. I mean, everything Republicans do every day is so inconsistent. And we're you know we're sitting. I don't I don't defend it, but you know the conservatives sit and defend it. And then you look like fools. You look like a bunch of buffoons. Um, and I think people would respect that. So you know, for those that are you know like myself and I, and you that are social conservatives, um, traditional values people, you're not conceding anything because right now we have a 50 state Sodom and Gomorrah who are not getting anything <laughs> in any state anywhere anytime. The federal judiciary has locked up marriage and abortion and religious liberty in all 50 states. So right now we're, we're at zero. And the reality is there's a number of states, no matter what, you know, just it is what it is. I mean, the sad reality is that ship has sailed a long time ago. If we could at least get, you know, if we would have a party that stood systematically for what the founding was, federalism and, and separation of powers and the fact that the federal judiciary doesn't control states, election laws and election districts and, 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 and you know, things like, that are very societal in nature, um, definition of marriage, that is something that we should all be able to shake on and say, wait a minute, if it's not mentioned in the Constitution, it's up to the states. If it's up to the states, then look, some states will do some things differently. Um, but but again, politically speaking, isn't this a boon for conservatives? Yes, it is. It absolutely is. When we look at when we look at this this challenge, we realize that our our greatest strength, the reason that we have hope today, where trying to build the Federalist Party you know, three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago would have been impossible, is because conservatives are getting fed up. They are feeling that angst of, of my gosh, really, you, you've, you've done – how many times do I have to walk in on you and see you in bed with, with the milkman before you know, I finally decide, you know what, I am done? More and more people are waking up to this, and we're seeing it today. You know, this is the ultimate case study in how the Republican Party is dead. And I'm not talking about Republicans. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the party as a whole. You mentioned the budget. You mentioned, you mentioned Obamacare, Trumpcare. You know, these are things that, that are driving people to realize that, my goodness, how, how much power do they need to fail at before we realize that they're not going to be different. They are the party of big government. You know, when we say the lesser of two evils, it's getting to the point we might learn here in the next next year or so that they're equally evil to the progressive liberalism, the the the, the socialism, the the Democrats. There, both sides have this addiction. To big government, they have this addiction to consolidating power in D.C., and it doesn't matter what they say during campaign season. We're looking at only a handful of Republican candidates, uh, Republican uh, politicians in office today, who who are even remotely able to say yes, I fulfilled my campaign promise. I was reading Justin Amash's Facebook post from a couple of days ago, and he did he did uh, support, he did vote for. Um, AHCA, but he did so extremely reluctantly. He looked at it, he, he assessed it as, look, does this improve on what we, we, we're, we've we already got? The answer, he came to the conclusion was yes, but then he noted that, look, this is only 10% different from, from Obamacare. This is Obamacare light, and he hates it that he has to vote for something that's, that's light. Oh, man. You know? I'm glad you brought that out. Well, that is the point. You just remind me of something on my list. I wanted to bring that up here. 
Just the mosh is the exact point. That is the reason why many of us have recognized you need a new party because there are a handful of good conservatives in the Republican Party at an elected level. The problem is they have no power. So their entire tenure is basically what we want to do is no. Right, the establishment is that they're the party of no. Everything is no. The Republican platform, no. You know, even though we're the default, you know, we own own the party and we already have a Democrat party. But what happened was everything was no. So they're just stuck with the painstaking, just heartbreaking decisions every day. Where they're just, what do I do when I have a party? You know, what do you do if you're a tight end on a team where the offensive lineman and the quarterback score points for the other side? I mean, what do you sit and do? And and that's 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 the problem. There are so many good guys that if there were a new party and you had people like Meadows and Jordan and Brad and Amash and Massey and Louis Gomert, people would say, wow, that's refreshing. You guys are principled. You guys are consistent. It's all about the issues. It's not about power. Maybe maybe I sometimes disagree with you, but, you know, th- that could have its appeal here. It's Republicans have all the vices of the Democrat Party, all the corruption, all the terrible baggage, but none of the virtues of, of not being Democrats. Um, you know, and I, I kind of sense that we need some big figures. Do, do you see any potential? Well, you know, let, let me let me walk this back for our listeners. You and I had, you know, just personal conversations last fall, last summer, um, when we were watching what was going on. And, you know, full disclosure, I I did think Hillary was going to win. And, and it was very close in the end. She won the popular vote by 2.1%. And just you know, really providentially a bunch of states flipped by 10,000 votes, but we thought that she would win. And I, I remember telling you at the time, I said, look, if she wins, that's when we could swoop in and say very clearly, there is no rationale to ever, I mean, the Republican party failed. Um, but I said, if Trump wins, you know, you're going to have a very hard time speaking over that because everyone's going to perceive that it's morning in America. Here we stand May 8th, you know, still in the incipient stage of the Trump administration. It's very early on. Have you seen that change? Have you seen a reawakening over the past few weeks? Yes, I think I think it's gone from uh, what they were hoping was was morning in America to now they're they're morning in America. <laughs> it's not <sighs> Trump. Is, I, I hate to, to just attack him personally, but let's face it: the Republican Party. In general, whether you can blame Paul Ryan, Trump, you know, the, the Republicans who are in power today, who have who have access to pretty much anything that they want. You know, don't don't get me started on the whole filibuster rules and and yada, yada, yada. They they have the ability to push an agenda in a way that is that is truly groundbreaking. They have that ability and all they have to do is fulfill the promises that they made during campaign season. Okay, all they have to do is repeal Obamacare, period. And the story, all they'd have to do is put out a budget that cuts, 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 cuts. Okay. Instead, what they're seeing, what, what they're being forced to show, they're, they're playing their hand, uh, I think, at an earlier stage than what they had hoped. That hand is revealing them to be not this great, awesome, small government reigning in, getting D.C. out of the way, you know, cutting through all the bulls, draining the swamp. That's what people expected. And even at this early stage, Many people are realizing that that's not the case. The, the swamp isn't being drained. The swamp is being is being expanded. 
that you know we, we've had three or four or five opportunities, very easy opportunities to defund Planned Parenthood, and yet nothing. We put out a quote unquote you know a, a religious liberties executive order that even when you know that you've done poorly when the ACLU says oh oh that's all you've got oh okay we're not even going to mess with that anymore because it doesn't do anything <laughs> our work you know, is that, done here. <laughs> Our work is done. You know, they took care of it for us. They didn't even do anything with it. Listen, between the budget, Obamacare, and religious liberties, those three things alone are enough to make you know cognizant Americans, cognizant conservatives, cognizant federalists aware that, hey, maybe we were sold a bag of goods. And that's something to – so when you said earlier, when we had our conversation last year, and you said that, that Hillary – you know, if Hillary won that – the, a party would have a stronger chance. My only caveat, my only disagreement with that statement was that if Trump won and the Republicans did what Republicans do and what they have done for the last uh, nearly three decades, then this could be the best possible thing for us. This could, this could remove the whole concept of, well, you know, all we, we've got to keep fighting to give the Republican Party all the power. You know, this, this releases the curtain. This shows everyone that with the power, they're still big government. They're still the swamp. They're not this great awakening of, of conservative values, federal's values, concepts that, that millions of Americans hold dear. They're not going to do what they said they were going to do. And that's in the, what, the first 105 days. They've already oh, established, we hey, to, look, yeah. we're not there. <laughs> we didn't get to Ivanka care yet. And then um, talk about federal oh, gosh. Uh, controlling all of the transportation um, especially in this era, in this day and age, from all 50 states in Washington, let's let's expand it. And, you know, it, boy, it, it, it's never going to end. Um, you, you know, the important thing, I think the backdrop of the Federalist, Federalist Party, what people should know is that this has nothing to do with Trump. This has no, nothing no. to do. This is a very long, broad view. And it was really, you know, here at the Conservative Conscience, we've been doing this um you know, since uh, since the beginning, since our founding, which predated Trump, but you know, he came along about two years ago, and we were very consistent with our messaging. We're, we're like, he's not the problem. The problem is the problem. The party is irremediably broken. It's just you'll see, he's not the solution. He'll go along with all this. In many respects, he's the embodiment of it. And even where his rhetoric is 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 kind of more with us, it's not going to come to fruition. Um, some of it's his fault. Some of it's because the rest of the party's junk. Um, and, and to a certain extent, no matter who would have won, it was like that. And I think that's that's the broader point that we don't take away from this. Oh, well, Trump sucks. Let's go get a new, better nominee of what to, to lead what um, we're running out of time. I want to I want to end with this. Uh, a lot of people are going to ask me, what do I do now? What could we do? So this is May 2017. We have um, primaries in about a year from now, starting about a year from now in the general election and November 2018, um, you, you know what's going to happen. You know this is coming. <laughs> no matter the betrayal, no matter how times, how many times we catch them, uh, uh, you know, making some transgender love with the Democrats um, for the, creating a transgender party, uh, you and I both know that come next year, but Daniel, could you imagine if Nancy Pelosi wins back the House? I mean, you know that's coming. You know the binary yeah. idolatry is coming back. How do you propose breaking through that? And what do you think your party can do to give people something tangible 
some, some you know, you're not going to win, you know, like a parliament. We don't have a parliamentarian system that you could just come in there, maybe win 40 seats or something. But is there right. is, you have some sort of benchmark you're aiming for for 2018? Absolutely. Um, and you're running out of time, so I can't go into it too in depth, but I'll try to give you the elevator, the elevator version of it. First and foremost, we're going to select the races, the races that we can win. And that's based upon a combination of analysis, uh, groundswell, whether we have enough groundswell, uh, money, and, um, and the competition level. You know, looking to see, are there people we can unseat, seeing who's retiring, who, who has weakness, where, where can we actually attack? You know, that's going to be an important part. But, until, but before then, we have to be able to get some, some big names on board. Okay. The, we have to be able to get some, some converts. There are people who are already reaching out to us quietly who are, who are saying, look, listen, if, if you, if you guys get to, to this, this point, then I may be willing to, to switch sides. If you guys can do this, I might be willing to run under your flag. If you guys can get these, you know, these people on board, then I'm on board. And these are, these are relatively big names and, and a couple of them are, are actually huge names. Um, you know, that's from, from the political spectrum. Then in the media, we need to get that going. We need to make certain that we're getting exposure and that people are talking to us in a way. And I'm not talking about, about just getting, you know, we've, we've had mentions in the New York times. We've had, we've had, uh, uh conservative views has been, um, a very great blessing to us. Um, you and Steve Dace and, and company, uh, talking to a lot of the, these other journalists. We need more, we need more journalists to, to find out what, what are we doing and are we something that they should support publicly once we get all of that together then we have a viable plan of action to go forward into 2018 and to start winning uh elections does that mean that we'll have control no of course not i I would you know it's very possible that we could go into 2018 and be looking at five national elections and and 60 state elections for example but we could also be looking at a lot more. There's no way to tell at this point. It's all going to depend upon number one, do we have the you know, political clout? Number two, do we have the media clout? Do we have the media's attention? And the only way you said, what can people do? It is to get involved. It is to help spread the word. Right now, we are as grassroots as you could possibly imagine. Okay, this is, our goal is to remain uh, firmly embedded in the grassroots, operated by the grassroots. We're not looking for for people to go out there and, and commandeer, you know, point everyone in a direction. We want to be working in unison with, with each other as the grassroots. And to be able to do that, we need people to be willing to step out, spread the word. There's nothing to lose. Okay. There's no, we're not asking people to go leave the Republican party today and, and go down to your election office and, and declare that you're a federalist. That, that's, we're not at that stage yet. Okay. But we are at a stage to where people can come and say, look, I'm looking at the Federalist Party. You should, too. I'm strongly considering them. I like what they're saying. Uh, if we can get enough people to go out and do that, then, yes, we will be able to then get the I – don't, I don't want to quote, quote Scarface, but it's, if you know the line I'm talking about, it's very similar to that, just without, without the women aspect of it. But we're – listen, all we need to do is get the party – hold on. Sorry about that. All we need to do is get the party known and get enough people talking about us. And that groundswell will tap into the angst that is building, will tap into the frustration that has been there, you know, either secretly or, or publicly for, for years, decades even. And people can finally say, look, the Federalist Party does seem to be heading in, in a good direction. They do seem to be uh, making strides. You, you mentioned the other third parties. We're on pace right now, Daniel, 
to be the fourth largest party in America before the end of the year. This isn't something, This again, I can't stress this enough. We're not looking at, at a party of, of 5,000 you know, very boisterous people. We're looking at larger numbers, and these numbers are expanding every day. All we need is for both media and uh, other politicians to get involved and say, yes, we see that they're going somewhere. Let's put, put them to the forefront and embrace that philosophy, that ideology, that concept of smaller government. Once we do that, we have, we have a strong chance of winning elections in 2018. And, and that's the thing, J.D., you got, you got to start from somewhere you need a candle um, to light a fire and create a brush fire. So that's the thing. We, we all have to recognize there's nothing you're going to have um, that's just going to explode from day one. We're out of time here. Um, thank you again for joining us, J.D., and, and we wish you luck. God bless, and we'll have you back later. Thank you so much, Daniel. Appreciate it. All righty. Take care. Well, folks, that was J.D. Rucker, co-founder of the Federalist Party, newly created last year. Um, again, not in reaction to Trump, just in reaction to the last 30 years of betrayals. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll monitor this closely. I know we have some members who listen in, and uh, we'll definitely uh, you know, keep this in mind as part of our all-of-the-above approach, our, our, our different options that, that we're looking at. Um, we'll co- go back to our regular programming later this week and update you in more lovely news I'm sure we'll have. But also make sure you get your subscription to CRTV. Go to CRTV.com. Get your 99 buck per, per, uh, subscription per year. Also support our sponsors at Birch Gold. Sells precious metals right to your door. You can actually take out IRAs or 401ks um, just to diversify your portfolio. Um, I'd advise just you know even even 5% of your of your funding, certainly with the monetary system going down the toilet, uh, always a great hedge against financial collapse. Birch Gold, B-I-R-C-H gold.com forward slash C-R and get your 16-page guide to reveal how gold and silver protects your savings. That's all I ask of you. It's a free information kit and take it from there. Till next time, we're out of time, but hopefully we're not out of luck. God bless you all. Take care. Take care.